Welcome to another Matrix Care podcast from the software leaders for out-of-hospital and long-term care providers. Matrix Care is dedicated to sharing knowledge and building awareness among providers across the spectrum, from home care to skilled nursing to senior living and life plan communities. My name is Doc DeVore. I'm Director of Enterprise Interoperability at Matrix Care, and today I'm honored to be the host for a session, Trends in Private Duty Home Care for 2020. We're going to listen in on a conversation between Naveen Gupta, Vice President of Home Care Solutions for Matrix Care, and his special guest, Steve Stefan Tweed, CEO of Leading Home Care and author of Conquering the Crisis, Proven Solutions for Caregiver Recruiting and Retention. Naveen, take it away. Thank you, Doc. Uh, hi, uh, Stefan. It is a delight to engage with you. I know when I took on this new role at Matrix Care, uh, Joe Krause, my, my predecessor, um, you know, he certainly made it a point to say that I should certainly connect with you. And so uh, almost a year and a half later now, I'm, I'm glad that we, can, uh, that we can certainly connect. So uh, before we go further, I'd love for our audience to, to get to know you a little bit. So if you're able to just introduce yourself and share a little bit about your organization. Well, thanks, Naveen. Yeah, we've been working in the home care sector space for the last 37 years with home health, hospice, and private pay non-medical home care. And uh, today, our company leading home care is really pretty narrowly focused on serving those private pay home care companies uh, who want to grow their business and who want to get ready for the future and the two ways that I do that are, number one, through our home care CEO mastermind groups. Mastermind groups are small groups of 10 to 12 companies that come together twice a year face-to-face and once a month by video conference to share ideas, to solve problems, and to support one another. And each of the groups is organized by size of company, so they're all similar sizes, and they do not compete with one another Uh, They're scattered across the country so that there's no one in any group who competes with anyone else in the group. So that gives the groups an opportunity to really uh, open up and have in-depth conversation about the issues they're facing and and the problems that they want to solve. So that's been an amazing uh, journey over the last seven years that we've had those groups. And then uh, the other work that I do is uh, strategic coaching of owners and CEOs of home care companies. Um, where we do an assessment of their business. We meet with them face-to-face to develop a strategy for growth, and then I provide some one-on-one coaching over a six-month period or so. Uh, one of the things that I've done over the last two decades is to pay attention to the trends in the industry. What are the patterns of change that are taking place, and how does that help us anticipate what the uh, – industry will look like in the future. So I've been doing a number of uh, presentations like this around home care 2020. What do we see happening in the industry this coming year? And what will it look like three to five years into the future? So that's what we're about and uh, happy to be with you. Uh, You all at Matrix Care are uh, great friends over the years. You mentioned Joe Krause and he and the team at Sonetto uh, are longtime friends, and now they're part of your organization, so it's great to be connected. Yeah, that's great, Stefan. Uh, feels like uh, an old friend uh, coming back on this. So that, 
Certainly, certainly appreciate that. So, um, you know, you've been with this industry for a really, really long time. And I know we had a conversation in December. And as I was engaging and with you and, and just hearing about your background and hearing what, what you did, I felt it would be a tremendous opportunity for you to be able to just engage our base, our clients, um, and listeners to this podcast about what's really going on in private duty. So um, I'd love for you to be able to comment on certain private duty themes um, you know, certainly we track the market as well. We're tracking the trends as we look at um, what do we need to do from a technology perspective to help our agencies, agencies that are powered by matrix care to be successful. So, um, you know, we are spending time doing a, a lot of that. So uh, I'm going to just, you know, list out a couple of them and, you know, we can go one by one, get your inputs on it and, and uh, you know, sort of dialogue a little, little bit. So the first of which is, you know, we did a recently uh, a market research, um, you know, a primary market research on the home care segment. And what we understand is the market is roughly about 35 billion. It's growing at about 6%. Um, clearly, the trend of aging in place, you know, the demographic shifting towards elderly, elderly population, obviously, there's a decline in family support, et cetera. So how do you see this segment either growing or shrinking? What are some of the headwinds and tailwinds? that the private duty segment is facing? Well, I think clearly all the demographics that you mentioned point to a continuous growth in the number of individual consumers, the elderly and the disabled, who receive care in their home. And so then we look at the companies that provide that care, and we see the number of companies growing, although that has slowed over the last couple of years as there's increasing competition. Right. And then we see the hours per week of care provided growing because there's more need uh, in the marketplace. There are more seniors who want in-home care. There are more primary family caregivers who recognize the value of in-home care. Uh, so we, we will see that growth uh, continue um, so I think one of the questions, and we're gonna, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, is really uh, how quickly can companies grow based on their ability to find caregivers? And so that caregiver recruiting and retention crisis is, I think, really the big barrier and the factor that's going to limit the growth of home care companies. Uh, and to some extent, will limit the growth of home care services to consumers because there simply are not enough individual caregivers to meet the growing needs of the, of the demographics of the marketplace. Yeah, that's great. You know, so what I'm hearing is yes, the market is growing. Uh, all of the trends point to that. It seems like the biggest barrier would really be the labor issues. And, you know, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about it. What does it mean to have, um, you know, a labor multiplier or a labor amplification effect, you know, through the use of technology, uh, we're certainly we're a healthcare technology company, and we want to be able to help solve that problem. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting just to get some some insights from you on that. You know, one of the trends that we're beginning to see is, you know, with PDGM, uh, you know, with value-based care, particularly in home health, um, there seems to be now a greater intersection of private duty and uh, home health. Uh, a substantial portion of providers that have home health exposure are now estimated to have presence in home care. And they're doing that through various things that they're either doing it with partnering or they're doing it with um, acquisitions uh, because there have been now studies done where uh, home health organizations that have provided 
private have complemented through those episodes through you know provided private duty services they've been able to show that um, the um, readmissions have reduced and so there seems to be really a synergy there uh, seems to be a real interest there we're seeing that with um, you know adders diversifying into home health we're seeing right at home you know linking up with kindred uh, and we see the same play on the tech side as well where for example wellsky acquiring clear care so would love to hear your thoughts upon you know i know you're focused uh, a lot on the private duty side where do you see that intersection intersection with home health and how is the market emerging there well that's a really wonderful question and i think you're spot on in recognizing that private duty and home health care agencies <clears throat> see synergy in working together and of course as we have studied the market uh we think there are 26,000 companies doing private duty home care and we break them into three categories uh independent agencies franchises and affiliated home care companies the affiliated companies are those private duty companies that are affiliated with a home health agency a hospice a senior living community or a hospital system and there are a significant number we guess maybe 5,000 of those 26,000 companies are in this category of affiliated uh home care companies and okay a big part of my consulting practice over the last 15 years has been with private duty companies affiliated with a home health agency or a senior living community or a hospital system okay and and so they're out there the 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 challenge is that home health agencies and hospital systems don't do a very good job of running their private duty home care business um and there are a couple of reasons for it uh one of the reasons is is what i call lack of entrepreneurial leadership there's a tendency for the home health agency or the senior living community or the hospital system to be focused on their bigger core business whether that's yes. hospital or senior living or home health and the private duty business is sort of a secondary part of it and so they they don't have an entrepreneurial leader over there they have a very nice person maybe a nurse who's a middle manager but not somebody who's going to going to grow it um another big barrier is what i call overcoming the the medicare mindset because these other provider categories are so focused on medicare and government payment sources yes um there's a tendency to make the private pay business way more complicated than it needs to be and then the third big barrier uh, is what i call uh, overcoming the back office integration mindset and that's a mindset that says well we have this marketing department for our home health agency we're going to let them also market private duty we have this finance department that does all the billing and collections we're going to let them uh, handle the billing and collections for our private pay business um and the one that probably is most interesting to you and that I know you all are tuned into is the area of technology and scheduling software yes and there's this uh, belief that while well, we have we have this software package that we use for our home health agency we'll let the private pay people use that same software and typically what i have found is that uh that's not the the, the most efficient and effective way uh to do that uh because uh, as you know the unique characteristics of software for home healthcare are different than the unique characteristics of software for private pay 
non-medical scheduling. And yeah, you, so, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead, Stephen. Well, and so when, when uh, somebody in the hierarchy, the chief financial officer, someone says, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to have one software um, to do both. And typically it's the private duty people that end up having to adjust their processes to fit the capabilities of the home health care software. And I know you all are, are working across the whole continuum. And so you understand um, the, the unique uh, aspects of each segment of the business and sure there are trade-offs. But uh, so anyway, those three big barriers are the things that I see uh, make it difficult for a senior living community or a post-acute care provider to do a good job of managing and running their private pay personal care business. Yeah, Stefan, well, well said. You know, so you're right, Matrix Care, you know, we, we cut across the continuum, you know, skilled nursing, life plan, you know, ILALs, et cetera. And, you know, what we've observed is, you know, these various uh, diverse care settings, you know, owned by um, these larger affiliates, you know, it depends on whether it's centralized decision-making or decentralized decision-making. In some instances, you know, you have the, um, the home care organization, you know, you can have decision makers in there, or uh, as you've described, in some cases, it's centralized, in which case, you know, they make a decision and that technology platform, you know, is, is really used right across the board, whether it fits perfectly or not, recognizing, you know, that these are, you know, different, you know, levels of care, different acuity levels, different payers, different reimbursements, it's, it's totally different. And, um, you know, we've got to be able to meet the market for, for, for both. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just glad, glad to just hear your point of view on, yes, there are some synergies there where, you know, the affiliates, as you described, um, you know, are, you know, seem to be a chunk there, you know, when compared to franchises and in, independence. You know, one other trend that we're beginning to see is this consolidation that's happening. So independent agencies are likely to be acquired by providers with home health or other post-acute care settings, right? So typically when we think about franchise, franchise organizations, so obviously the big ones, you know, Visiting Angels, you know, Home Watch, uh, Comfort Keepers, et cetera, Interim, you know, you've got many of them. And then the affiliated ones, uh, you've got the Beatas, Kindred at Home, Maxim, you've got those, and certainly, you know, many other regionally integrated delivery networks as well. And then the independents, those are the, you know, smaller independent mom and pop operators, um, you know, may have one or two locations, et cetera. So help us understand, you know, I know we've got, it's, it's very difficult to get true data in terms of the number of agencies, et cetera, uh, and their breakup, um, unlike on the certified home health side. But Stefan, I, help us understand, do you see this consolidation happening? Where is the market moving in terms of the number of, um, agencies that we will have, and how will that distribution change between franchise, affiliated, and independents? Well, absolutely, we are definitely seeing the move toward consolidation. And I've been waiting for this for a decade. I've been watching the industry saying, when will consolidation take place? And it really began oh, three or four years ago when we saw um, a, a couple of movements that began to make it happen. And so let's start with the independence. Um, as, as you know, the independent segment is made up of, of you know, 13,000 relatively small companies. The median size yeah. company is about a million eight. Um, we tend to work with the top 10% 
on the independent side. So our mastermind okay. groups um, range from, well, we have one small group we call the, the strategic growth group that our companies beat one and a half and three million, and that's sort of the entry level. Um, but our top 10% mastermind group has 10 companies that are between three and $6 million in revenue. Our top 7% group has 10 companies that are between five and 10 million, $12 million in okay. revenue. And then our top uh, 5% group has 12 companies between eight and $40 million in revenue. So okay. we're starting to see some quite large uh, independent uh, home care companies. And then you have the companies that I know and have worked with, but don't fit our top 5% group because they end up competing with other members. So you have companies like uh, Arosa plus Live Home, yes. which is a roll-up uh, started by uh, Ari Medoff down in North Carolina. He was a member of our 5% group, and then he partnered with Bain Capital uh, to acquire Live Home out in California, and so they ha and they're continuing to do acquisitions. And I don't know what their total revenue is now. Uh, at one time, it was in excess of forty million. So, uh, and they've done a couple of acquisitions. You've got twenty-four um, hour home care out in Southern California that's in excess of seventy million dollars in revenue, and um, they uh, retained a firm to guide them on an acquisition strategy. And that firm reached out to me and we had some conversations. So um, clearly there is a consolidation taking place in the independent sector. Uh, in the franchise sector, of course, you know that the top, I think it's like eight of the top 10 franchise systems have been acquired or taken investment from private equity or venture capital groups. And so the franchise sector is now heavily influenced by outside private equity. Right. And they are, they are growing uh, in the number of franchises. But the other trend I see is within any of the franchise systems, whether it's, you know, visiting angels or comfort keepers or uh, senior helpers, is you have individual franchisees acquiring other territories and acquiring yes. the businesses of existing franchisees. And so you have um, uh, franchisees that own three or five or 10 or 12 uh, territories and are doing 10, 15, $18 million in, in revenue. And so uh, we're clearly going to see uh, a continued consolidation of the franchises and I've been sort of watching for that have you know since we're in Louisville Kentucky which is home of uh, Yum Brands which owns Kentucky Fried Chicken Pizza Hut Taco Bell and and several years ago uh, my wife and I did some work with the largest franchisee of Kentucky Fried Chicken well they had 360 uh, stores in four states in California and Washington and Utah and I think Arizona um, and, and so the food service franchise industry is heavily influenced by companies that own large numbers of franchise territories. Right. Right. And, and I've been watching for that kind of growth to happen in the home care franchise sector. And we're beginning to see uh, some of that. Uh, and then you mentioned the, the affiliated sector. 
Yes. And um, there the integration is vertical rather than horizontal. So you see uh, hospital systems that own uh, large home health organizations that then operate large private duty businesses with multiple offices or multiple territories. Um, I haven't seen as much of that the last two or three years because, as I mentioned to you, the difficulty that home health agencies and, and senior living have in profitably operating uh, the private pay non-medical kind of a business. And um, I guess it was two years ago I had a uh, I was retained by a large hospital system to help them with their private pay business. And um, they, after doing a, a, a beginning project to help them understand some of the benchmarks and some of the metrics, uh, basically decided they weren't going to go forward uh, in growing that part of their business. So um, I, I think that when it comes to consolidation, we're going to see lots of consolidation on the independent sector. We're going to see consolidation in the franchise sector. Uh, I'm not sure that we're going to see as much consolidation in the uh, affiliated sector. Gosh, yeah, those affiliated organizations themselves are much larger organizations. So when we think about consolidation, it's more likely that the independents will fold into the affiliated and as you said the franchisees might you know would would grow as well so it's interesting to see the makeup of you know and the distribution of how um you know in the personal care space that um you know this is unfolding right and but as as you've recognized i think naveen um we've seen across the country a number of examples where uh either hospital systems or large home health agencies acquired uh, independent home care companies to to roll it into their operation and to gain entry into that sector, and the ones of those that I'm familiar with have not gone very well. Yeah. And so, uh, in some cases, they acquired a business and then sold it. Uh, other cases, they've acquired it and held it, but it's not really growing, not really doing anything. And again, it comes back to those three big barriers that we talked about. Yeah, And um, so it will be interesting to continue to watch those uh, organizations to see if they're able to figure out um, how to run that private pay business in a way that makes it viable. Because to your point earlier, there's clearly a growing body of, of evidence that the in-home personal care can really complement the in-home home health care and hospice services to improve outcomes, to reduce rehospitalizations, to reduce the overall cost. So there's some really real synergy there if the organizations can figure out how to make it work. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I think you laid out the barriers there. Um, you know, we obviously are in the home health space as well, and uh, it's a good blueprint. And one thing is the acquisition. The other thing is to be able to really use it to drive better outcomes, as you described. So um, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, we, we we would be amiss if we talked about, you know, home care trends and we, we didn't at least touch upon EBV. Um, mm -hmm. So with the, uh, you know, agencies that are part of your uh, forum and the mastermind group, uh, just curious to know, I know the different states have, you know, different dates with regards to um, the EBV rollout with the aggregators and so on and so forth. Uh, what are you hearing about how the rollouts are going and, uh, you know, I'm in Florida, and we've certainly got our own experiences here. I did have 
uh, a CEO of a private duty agency on this podcast a couple of months ago, just sharing his experiences working with the aggregators. Just curious to know your, your viewpoint very quickly on the EVB side of the house. Well, um, clearly, I think we, we needed to have that technology to accurately verify visits were being made. And particularly where the EVV uh, has come into play is in those states with um, strong Medicaid programs, the Medicaid uh, agencies within the state and the managed care organizations. And, of course, there's that move toward managed Medicaid. Yes. Um, I think we're the ones that really triggered the need for EVV. And I think that, uh, as you know, the technology is there to do it rather easily. Uh, it's the human factor that comes into play. Uh, one, can we get the actual caregivers to do what we ask them to do, to check in and check out into the client's home and to enter the uh, data that's required to meet the needs of the Medicaid organization or the managed care organization that's managing that. Um, and so that, you know, the technology works, it's the, it's the human factor that I think gets uh, in the way. Right. And then of course the other part of the, the factor is what the managed care organizations expect and the regulations that they set and how they collaborate with the home care companies. And I'm sure yes. you've run into that as you've worked with the, the different states. So uh, it, it's a combination of a technology challenge and a, and a people challenge and, and bringing it all together. But my clients who do large amounts of Medicaid work um, have put in the EVV systems. Um, they're making it work. Um, it's, you know, it's not flawless, but uh, they seem to, you know, be meeting the requirements, they're getting their bills out, they're getting checks in, uh, their caregivers are able to, you know, get paid. Uh, so the things that EVV is intent on doing seems to be working right. for the people that I'm talking with. But again, I'm talking with, with much larger organizations. Yes. I don't know what it's like for a, you know, a small company doing 1500 hours a week yes. um, and how that's working for them. Yes, yeah, Stefan, I think we've heard mixed, obviously, from state to state and also, you know, the size of the agency and, um, you know, depending on whom they're working with, what managed care organization uh, they're working with. So it's been, it's been mixed bag, uh, but it's been certainly interesting. Um, just switching topics to, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of discussion uh, for personal care services growth, uh, you know, with MA plans and the supplemental services. Um, how big do you think this is with regards to driving private duty growth? Um, is, uh, you know, clearly there is, the, 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 you know, we're going to have reimbursements built around that, but uh, do you truly see this growing and growing at scale and helping drive more personal care services? Well, I think it's best summarized by a quote that I got from an executive at a very high level in one of the three largest Medicare Advantage companies in the country. Okay, yeah. And he said to me, the trade press has made this much bigger than it is. He said, all of us in, in the uh, Medicare Advantage world are going to put our toe in the water and see if this makes sense for us. And in my interview, we talked about 
um, how they go about making decisions about whether or not they're going to offer these supplemental services or not. And it's all about driving enrollments in the Medicare Advantage plan. Um, the fact that uh, CMS and the federal government have acknowledged that in-home personal care can be a benefit to a Medicare beneficiary uh, suggests that there is great potential down the road. Uh, but in 20, late 2018 and, and, and through 2019, there was a lot of press, a lot of coverage. Um, but here's my reality. I have, yes. yet, I have yet to talk to the first person who has received a dollar of revenue from a Medicare Advantage plan. That's very interesting. But I know last year there were only 3% of MA plans that were offering some, some sort of reimbursement around it. In 2020, I believe that jumps to, I don't know, it, it was maybe 12%. There was certainly well, more. See, MA. It, let me inter, in, interrupt you there, Naveen, because yeah. that's the data that's reported in the trade press, but they're not comparing apples and oranges. And I've okay. tried to dig into it to look at apples and apples. You're right. In 2019, 3.4% of the 3,700 Medicare Advantage plans said they were going to offer in-home supports and services. In 20, late 2019 for 2020, the trade press was reporting that 12% of Medicare Advantage plans were offering some of those nine supplemental supports. Yes. I have not been able to find any data to tell me exactly how many plans are offering in-home support. Interesting. And so, and so I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know from, from my direct experience talking with hundreds of agency owners, and because I've written about this, I've had phone calls from people. Um, I had one phone call from an individual uh, who said he had a contract with a Medicare Advantage plan, and he was providing services. And then I asked him some very specific questions, and it turns out, well, he didn't really have a contract. He was providing services, but he had not gotten paid yet, and he didn't know if he was going to get paid. Um, I've heard uh, through some conversations of other companies that have contracts with Medicare Advantage plans, but I have not had any direct conversation with any company owner or key leader who has gotten the first dollar of revenue from Medicare Advantage. And here we are in February of 2020. Stefan, that's so very, yeah, go ahead. It, go ahead. So it, it, it sounds like a great opportunity, um, but it has not materialized. And I was just on another uh, conference the other day. I was, I was the lead off speaker at the, uh, 2020 Home Care Growth Symposium that was sponsored by Home Care Pulse last week. Okay. And um, a as we were talking about this whole notion, what I said to the audience is, uh, for home care leaders, I think you need to pay attention to this opportunity because two years or three years or five years or ten years down the road, it may be a bigger deal. Um, but today I'm saying to owners and leaders, don't spend your time and energy trying to figure out how to make money from Medicare Advantage. Take the caregivers that you have and get them into the homes of seniors, whether it's through your personal pay business, whether it's through your, your Medicaid waiver contracts. But there's much more short-term opportunity today for home care companies to, uh, to 
offer services and, and to place caregivers than there is through Medicare Advantage. Stefan, that's really great. Very, very insightful. And, um, you know, just hearing firsthand from you and your experiencing uh, very close to many of these agencies and these peer sources. Um, it's very interesting. So, I, you know, what I would put that is in a, in a wait and watch category, so to speak. So thank you for sharing some insights into that. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I did look at your recent post. By the way, I, I was really impressed by the consistency of your blog posts and, you know, how well researched and how thoughtful they were. Um, you know, the, the recent one was around barriers to growth, and you list out three barriers to growth, you know, labor issues, leadership issues, and increasing competition. Uh, you know, we touched upon labor issues a little bit, and, you know, I've done a, a podcast with a very large um, private duty agency, and, you know, just seeing how they've they, you know, tried to solve the labor issues side of the house uh, has been very, very interesting. I'd like to pick your brain a little bit differently. Um, you know, we would uh, love to just link to your article, you know, even in our uh, blog post, uh, you know, when we post this podcast, uh, so that, you know, uh, folks can understand the barriers to growth around those three issues in particular. But how do you see technology, particularly the EHR, helping a private duty agency gain competitive advantage, right? So we've got, you know, the you know, critical functionality around operations, you know, and scheduling and care delivery, care management, et cetera. You know, do you, from your experience, what you're hearing, can technology play a role here? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of technology, um, but not for the sake of technology. I'm a big fan of having leaders refine their processes. And their processes involve people and systems. Mm -hmm. And where possible, we want to use electronic technology to systematize the business. So you talked about labor issues, the caregiver recruiting and retention crisis. Yes. Um, we, what we're doing is working with our mastermind members and our strategic advisory clients to really look at what we call the pipeline of caregivers. And that's from the time you place the ad, whether it's online or through your employee referral program or face-to-face -face out in the community, all the way through uh, pre-screening and interviewing and testing and uh, hiring and then uh, orientation and training. And then we get into the first shift that they're scheduled and then the communication that takes place. Uh, the 90-day, you know, we know that last year, uh, at the end of 2018, turnover in the in the private pay space uh, was 82 percent. Wow! And we know from the data that that 80 percent of that turnover happens in the first 90 days, and so we need to do a better job of of minimizing that 90 day turnover. And there are three elements of that. One is hiring better people to begin with. Uh, second is making sure that they're working as many hours as they want to work. And the third is helping them feel engaged and connected to the company. And so back to technology, uh, we have a number of our, our members who are using automated applicant tracking systems to keep track of all of the applicants and keep track of their caregivers uh, all the way through the hiring process and then to convert that record for that applicant into an employee in the uh, scheduling software, the EHR software. And the big challenge that our members are facing is the lack of integration 
between applicant tracking systems and scheduling software and the lack of integration between uh, CRM or customer relationship management and, uh, and scheduling software. And yep. so they're, they're experiencing this big frustration um, because they want to automate their applicant tracking, but the ATS doesn't talk to their scheduling software. They want to automate their sales processes, but the CRM doesn't talk to their scheduling software. And many of the, and I'm not as familiar with your software today as I once was when, uh, when Sonetto was an independent uh, company, but um, the software programs that I am familiar with um, each have uh, some element of applicant tracking to keep track of the caregivers and to ultimately, you know, get them in integrated into the scheduling process. And they have some element of customer relationship management to put uh, referral sources into the system so that you can connect the dots between the referral source and the client and, the, and, and track some of that data. Um, but none of them are robust applicant tracking or CRM systems compared to the freestanding models. And so an individual entrepreneurial owner is saying, well, I want to automate my systems, but I'd like this software to talk to each other so that I don't have to do a lot of manual processing. And um, they're, they're finding it difficult to find high quality applicant tracking, high quality CRM, high quality scheduling together in one package or that are integrated to talk to each other. So I believe that the first company that serves the, the in-home personal care space that can offer high quality ATS, CRM and scheduling in a bundled software package or one that at least is, is integrated uh, and talks to each other will have a significant uh, advantage uh, in the marketplace and the companies that use that system uh, will have an advantage because they will be much more efficient in hiring and onboarding caregivers. They will be much more efficient in managing their sales process and they will be much more efficient in the back office for scheduling and billing and payroll and all of those other functions that the software now, now provides. Stefan, you know, I shouldn't be surprised, but um, what a thoughtful answer, you know, being able to connect the labor issues with technology and, you know, everything that you talk, talked about in terms of integration. We see that right across the board, um, you know, connecting with various systems in the ecosystem, but in private duty, particularly, you know, the application tracking, the CRM, being able to, uh, we talk about labor challenges. So think about if you're, they're not integrated, the data needs to be duplicated and, and you know, manually crafted over and how laborious that is for the agency and for the back office people. So really, really good answer. And thank you for sharing your insights there. Um, it's very, very helpful. So Stefan, I know we're running out of time here. Any final comments before we wrap up? I certainly really appreciate you uh, just sharing your insights. It's been tremendously valuable. Well, I just appreciate the work that you all are doing in, uh, in developing and implementing technology for uh, the in-home uh, care space. I, I love what you're doing with uh, looking at connecting the whole post-acute care continuum uh, because clearly, uh, in my viewing point, that's where healthcare is headed. Um, we have this aging population. We have a large percentage of the aging population with multiple chronic conditions, and so they're going to need uh, support in various venues, whether it's 
skilled nursing facility, an assisted living facility, independent living within home care. Uh, certainly home health is a big uh, element of the whole continuum. Hospices are growing. Yes. Uh, very important element of in-home care that has great uh, personal benefit to families. So uh, this whole post-acute care continuum is is a significant uh, part of our healthcare system. Uh, the work that you all are doing to uh, integrate that to the extent possible, uh, I think, is really, uh, really important. And if we can help you uh, to do that, we'd love to be able to support you however we can. In the meantime, um, as you mentioned, our focus uh, here at Leading Home Care uh, is our mastermind groups and our strategic coaching, so that if there are um, agencies that are in your portfolio that are using your software services and they're looking to grow their business to get ready for the future. Uh, we're here to help them and support them uh, using the, you know, the, the uh, processes that we've defined, the skill sets that we've developed to help agency owners solve problems and support one another and, and really grow their businesses. Excellent, Steph. I would be happy to just link to your services, you know, when we post this. So thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. Back to you, Doc. Well, thank you, Stefan and Naveen. What a wonderful guest. You seem to pick some wonderful folks to talk to. That concludes today's episode of the Matrix Care Podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit us at www.matrixcare.com, the software leader for out-of-hospital, for more information on our products and services. We'd love to hear from you. And give us feedback on iTunes or your favorite podcast to let us know everything from how to improve the podcast to future topics you'd like to see discussed. On behalf of Matrix Care and today's guest, Stefan, thanks for listening. Hope to have you back for another episode of the Matrix Care Podcast.